0: Chapter 19 of Quit Your Worrying by George Wharton James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. The Worries of Jealousy. A prolific source of worry is jealousy. Not only the jealousy that exists between men and women, but that exists between women and women, and between men and men. There are a thousand forms that this hideous monster of evil assumes, and when they have been catalogued and classified, another thousand will be found awaiting around the corner of entirely different categories. But all alike they have one definite origin, one source, one cause, and that cause, I am convinced, is selfishness. We wish to own, to dominate, to control absolutely entirely for our own pleasure and satisfaction, that of which we are jealous. In Chapter 1, I tell the incident of the young man on the streetcar whose jealous worry was so manifest when he saw his girl smiling upon another man. I suppose most men and women feel, or have felt, at some time or other, this sex jealousy. That woman belongs to me. Her smiles are mine. Her pleasant words should fall on my ear alone i am her lover she the mistress of my heart and that should content her every writer of the human heart has expatiated upon this great source of worry jealousy shakespeare refers to it again and again the whole play of othello rests upon the moor's jealousy of his fair sweet and loyally faithful desdemona how the fiendish iago plays upon othello's jealous heart until one sees that trifles light as air are to the jealous confirmations strong as proofs of holy writ iago bitterly resents a slight he feels othello has put upon him with his large generous unsuspicious nature othello never dreams of such a thing he trusts Iago as his intimate friend, and thus gives the crafty fiend the opportunity he desires to quote, put the Moor into a jealousy so strong that judgment cannot cure, make the Moor thank me, love me, reward me for making him egregiously an ass, and practising upon his peace and quiet even to madness. End quote. Othello gives his wife, Desdemona, a rare handkerchief. Iago urges his own wife, who is Desdemona's maid, to pilfer this and bring it to him. When he gets it, he leaves it in Cassio's room. Cassio was an intimate friend of Othello's, one, indeed, who had gone with him when he went to woo Desdemona, and who, by Iago's machinations, had been suspended from his office of Othello's chief lieutenant. To provoke Othello's jealousy, Iago now urges Desdemona to plead Cassio's cause with her husband, and at the same time eggs on Othello to watch Cassio. Quote, Look to your wife, observe her well with Cassio, wear your eye thus, not jealous nor secure. I would not have your free and noble nature, out of self-bounty, be abused. Look to it. End quote. Thus he works Othello up to a rage, and yet all the time pretends to be holding him back. I do see you're moved. I pray you not to strain my speech to grosser issues, nor to larger reach than to suspicion. Iago leaves the handkerchief in Cassio's room, at the same time saying, The moor already changes with my poison dangerous conceits are in their natures poisons which at the first are scarce found to distaste but with a little act upon the blood burn like the mines of sulphur and as he sees the tortures the jealous worries of the moor have already produced in him he exultingly yet stealthily rejoices not poppy nor mandragora nor all the drowsy syrups of the world shall ever medicine thee to that sweet sleep which thou hadst yesterday well might othello exclaim that he is set on the rack each new suspicion is a fresh pull of the lever a tightening of the strain to breaking point and soon his jealousy turns to the fierce and murderous anger iago hoped it would like to the Pontic sea, whose icy current and compulsive course ne'er feels retiring ebb, but keeps due on to the propontic and the Hellespont. Even so, my bloody thoughts, with violent pace, shall ne'er look back, ne'er ebb, to humble love, till that a capable and wide revenge swallow them up. End quote. Thus he was urged on, worried by his jealousy until, in his bloody rage, he slew his faithful wife. Poor Desdemona, we weep her fate. Yet at the same time, we should deeply lament that Othello was so beguiled and seduced by his jealousy to so horrible a deed. And few men or women there are, unless their souls are purified by the wisdom of God, that are not liable to jealous influences. Our human nature is weak, and full of subtle treacheries that, like Iago, seduce us to our own undoing, he who yields for one moment to the worries of jealousy is already on the downward path that leads to misery, woe, and deep undoing. Iago is made to declare the philosophy of this fact when, in the early portion of the play, he says to Rodrigo, quote, "Tis in ourselves we are thus or thus." our bodies are our gardens to the which our wills are gardeners so that if we will plant nettles or sow lettuce set hyssop and weed up thyme supply it with one gender of herbs or distract it with many either to have it sterile with idleness or manured with industry why the power and corrigible authority of this lies in our wills therein surely is great truth we can plant or weed up in the garden of our minds whatever we will we can have it sterile with idleness or fertilize it with industry and it must ever be remembered that the more fertile the soil the more evil weeds will grow apace if we water and tend them our jealous worries are the poisonous weeds of life's garden and should be rooted out instantly and kept out until not a sign of them can again be found. Solomon sang that Jealousy is as cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. What a graphic picture of worry, a fire of vehement flame, burning, scorching, destroying peace, happiness, content, joy, and reducing them to ashes. In my travel and observation i have found a vast amount of jealous worry in institutions of one kind and another such as the indian service in reform schools in humane societies in hospitals among the nurses and so on it seems to be one of the misfortunes of weak human nature when men and women associate themselves together to do some work which ought to call out all the nobleness the magnanimity the godlike qualities of their souls They become maggoty with jealous worries, worry that they are not accorded the honor that is their due, worry that their work is not properly appreciated, worry lest someone else becomes a favorite of the superintendent, and so on and so on and so on ad libitum. Worries of this nature in every case are a proof of small or undeveloped natures. No truly great man or woman can be jealous. Jealousy implies that you are not sure of your own worth, ability, power. You find someone else is being appreciated. You covet that appreciation for yourself, whether you deserve it or not. In other words, you yield to accursed selfishness, utterly forgetful of the apostolic injunction in honour preferring one another. And the same jealousies are found among men and women in every walk of life, in trade, in the office, among professors in schools, colleges, universities, in the learned professions, among lawyers, physicians, and even among the ministers of the gospel and judges upon the bench. Oh, shame, shame, upon the littleness, the meanness, the paltriness of such jealousies, of the worries that come from them, How any human being is to be pitied whose mortal mind is corroded with the biting acid of jealous worry. When I see those who are full of worry because yielding to this demon of jealousy, I am almost inclined to believe in the old-time Presbyterian doctrine of total depravity. Whenever, wherever, you find yourself feeling jealous, take yourself by the throat, figuratively, and strangle the feeling, then go and frankly congratulate the person of whom you are jealous upon some good you can truthfully say you see in him. Spread his praises abroad. Seek to do him honour. Thus, by active work against your own paltry emotion, you will soon overcome it and be free from its damning and damnable worries. Akin to the worries of jealousy are the worries of hate. How much worry hate causes the hater, he alone can tell. He spends hours in conjuring up more reasons for his hate than he would care to write down. Every success of the hated is another stimulant to worry, and each step forward is a sting full of pain and bitterness. He who hates walks along the path of worry, and so long as he hates, he must worry. Hence there is but one practical way of escape from the worries of hatred, namely, by ceasing to hate, by overcoming evil with good. End of chapter 19